All right, guys, welcome back to another teaching in the book of Genesis. Last time we were here, we were in chapter 28 as we were looking at the journey of Jacob as he was escaping from the presence of his brother who was determined to kill him because of the deception in that birthright issue with his father Esau. But nevertheless, we saw Jacob journeying from the house of his father in Beersheba to the household of his mother, Rebekah, in Haran. And he was on that particular journey in chapter 28. Now, we can all relate to how Jacob probably was feeling as he was going this approximately 450 mile journey from father's house to the mother's brother's house. But we can imagine how he felt the fearfulness and the apprehension that he felt. And not only can we imagine it, God knew it perfectly well. And that's why we had this divine visitation that is by virtue of a dream. This divine visitation of Jacob, when Jacob came to this certain place and laid down in this certain place, check the video out from uh, chapter 28 to get a better understanding of this certain place that he would later on, later on name Bethel, which means house of God. But nevertheless, he came to this certain place and there God established the Abrahamic covenant with him. And in establishing the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant with Jacob, Jacob in turn made a vow. And we see Jacob accepting now Yahweh, that is the Lord, to be his God and made a vow to give God a tenth if God would be with him and bring him back to his father's house in peace. That is the land of promise. So the last thing that we saw was Jacob at the edge of the border of the land of promise going out. And now we're about to see in chapter 29 when Jacob has come into the land of Haran to deal with Laban the Syrian. But now we want to prepare ourselves because the last time we saw Jacob, that is the references that we were making to Jacob in the actions of his father were the actions of a deceitful man. What we are now about to see is how God is going to engineer. God is going to use people and event events to shape the life of Jacob to begin to make Jacob into the man that he wants Jacob to be. Or as we used the term earlier, previous video, to sanctify him, to transform his life. Okay, without getting any further into all of that, let's get into chapter 29. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it, for from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone of the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said to them, is it well with him? And they said, it is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. He said, behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. 
But they said, we cannot until the flocks are gathered and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. Let's stop there and talk about it. So now we see Jacob is now going on in his journey. But what we see in verse number one, when it says, then Jacob went, went on his journey. The Hebrew is a little different. The Hebrew says, and Jacob lifted his feet and went. And so the idea is when we leave chapter 28, remember in chapter 28, we have the vision that God has given to Jacob, that God will be with Jacob, protect Jacob, provide for Jacob and bring Jacob back to the land. So this has comforted Jacob's heart a great deal. And so what verse number one really tells us in that Hebrew, when he says Jacob lifted his feet, we see that Jacob's spirit has been refreshed because of what God has said to him. So he is now in a happy mood as he journeys on and comes to Haran. What we also see is a similarity. Now, even though we remember, I believe it's in chapter 24, when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to find a wife for his son Isaac, we do see certain similarities. But the point that I'm trying to stress is that what we saw in chapter 24, as God was providing a wife for Isaac, in other words, providence, we see that God's hand is clearly being implied in the matter. So as God's hand was direct, and we can see that literally, we see, we see the constant mentions of God by Abraham. We see the mention of God by the servant of Abraham in this whole issue of finding a wife for Isaac. Even though we don't see the same mention of God here in dealing with the issue of finding a wife for Jacob here, the idea is the same. Not so much, not so much here being stressed as the finding of the wife, but here being stressed as the providence of God. What do I mean? Notice how in Isaac's journey, he happens to come upon Haran. He happens to come upon the well. And guess who just happens to be coming when he arrives in the land of Haran? Guess who just happens to be coming with her father's sheep, Rachel. So these things are not just simple happenstance, but it is being done through direct guidance, divine guidance of the Lord. And this is the similarity that we see in the same sense, but instead of the servant, that is Abraham's servant, coming to find a wife for Isaac, we see Jacob and we know the whole scenario is what? That Jacob would come and find a wife for himself. But we have much to say about finding the wife later on as we move through the text, but not now. But nevertheless, so he happens upon a certain well and it was high noon time and we saw a uh, flocks of sheep. I think it were three groups, three flocks of sheep that were gathered there with the shepherds there at the well, preparing that once all of the shepherds came with all of their flocks, they would then remove this large stone and water the flock of whale. And so it, it wasn't time because all had not gathered. But at the same time, what happened? So Jacob greets them. Hello, my brother, how are you doing? Are you familiar with Laban of Haran? And so they said that they knew of Laban and that he asked them, I'm sorry, Laban 
son of Nahor. Now, let me make a little stop right here. We know in verse number five, when it calls him the son of Nahor, he was actually uh, the son of Bethuel, son of Bethuel. And Bethuel is the son of Nahor. What the Hebrew is doing, and this is often, uh, is often done in Hebrew. It is not saying that Laban is the son of Nahor. It is just simply using this in a generic sense to refer to his grandfather because Nahor is the grandfather. Bethuel is the father. So it just simply uses this in the same manner. Okay. So that's all that's being done here. But nevertheless, once these shepherds identify and say that they, they indeed do know of Nahor, he gives a common greeting and simply say, inquire, inquires about, well, how is Nahor? Is he doing okay? Is he fine? Blah, 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 tweet, tweet, tweet. And they just simply say, yes, he's fine. And behold, his daughter, Rachel, is now coming with the flock. And that's basically where we stop right here. But now... What is in, what we have to remember about Jacob is sometimes, you know, early when it was talking about Jacob being a man who dwelled in tents, it was often seen and sometimes stated by others that Jacob was some sort of a weak or lazy man. But we can see by the actions of Jacob, because remember, there was a large stone that is placed over the well. And we're going to see here. Jacob is going to remove the stone and Jacob is going to be active in watering the flock of Laban. But nevertheless, we're going to see not only just here, but also in the continuation that is in the 20 years that Jacob would serve Laban being a shepherd to his sheep and things of that nature, that Jacob is an industrious man. He is not a lazy man and nor is he a weak and irresponsible man. Jacob is a hard working man. And that's what we want to see as we work out through the text. But anyway, and so let's get back to the text. Verse number nine, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her, of her father and that he was, a, he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related to Laban all these things. Okay, so now we have the meeting of Jacob and Rachel now at the well. Rachel comes to the well, and so Jacob, in an act of kindness, he waters her flock. And then, of course, there's the introduction of himself. He lets her know that he is one of her kinsmen. And he, uh, 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 through Rebecca, who would be her aunt at this time, who would be her aunt, he lets her know that he's one of her kinsmen and he falls upon her and kisses her. Now, the kissing is a normal greeting that you would have, especially among relatives. So the kissing is nothing intimate here. It's just simply a normal 
form of greeting. But then we see Jacob weeping. And I think this weeping is a sense of release. It is an emotional release from Jacob and that I have found my kinsmen, not so much as my wife, not so much as my wife here, but my kinsmen here, and I have reached the destination. And so therefore we have emotional release. And I think that's what's going on with the weeping. So Rachel quite naturally goes to her father's house and tells her about Jacob and Jacob is introduced to Laban and Laban and Jacob are now talking one with another and Jacob is telling him all the things that has befallen him in coming to Haran. Okay. But it doesn't seem at this point, it does not seem at this point that Jacob has revealed that he is coming for a wife in particular. He might have, and it's not being stated here, but it just simply says he particularly tells him about his journeying. Okay. Verse number 14, Laban said to him, surely you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should you, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel and Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. All right. And so now we continue on in verse number 14 and he, he acknowledges the kinship. So he's told him about his family and, you know, and it's been a long time, I think approximately over 80 years since Laban has seen his sister Rebecca, that much time has passed, but nevertheless, so the family introductions are made. Laban accepts Jacob as his kinsman, even almost like a son, so to speak. Okay. And though, and so he remains with Laban for a month working. Now, what's important to remember is when Jacob entered into Haram, remember now, when Jacob left his father's house, he basically left with a staff in hand, basically food and provisions for the journey. That's it. He had no money, no resources, unlike Eleazar. And right again, right now, I'm referring back to remember when Eleazar came looking for a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. He had many camels and much jewelry to, to as a bridal gift, as a gift for bridal price, bridal price and gifts for the family as well as the bride. So Eleazar had a lot of stuff. But Jacob basically had nothing more but than provisions for himself, clothes on his back. So basically he had nothing. So now he is in Laban's house for a month and basically he is just simply working for room and board. He's working for his own stay. And so Laban comes to Jacob. Remember now, Jacob has nothing. He's just simply working. And Laban says, it's not right because you're my kinsman that you should work for me for nothing. And so Laban says, tell me 
what do you think would be a good pay for yourself? So what is a right pay that you think you deserve? And now it seems that Jacob is revealing his whole purpose in coming. And he just simply says, I want to marry your daughter. Give me your daughter as payment of work for seven years. And so it, and that was the Rachel that he saw at the well. And then this text goes to let's, let us know that he had two daughters. The first daughter, the firstborn, was named Leah. And the scripture says that Leah had weak eyes. And so it seems to suggest that there was some form of sickness that may have been involved with Leah and this sickness affected her physical appearance or it may be a way of simply saying that Leah was not too good to look upon, you know, and, and that's that. She just wasn't a good looking woman. And on the contrary, in contrast, it talked about her younger sister, Rachel. And this was the one that Jacob had his eye on. And Rachel, the Bible said, Rachel was beautiful of form and face. In other words, Rachel was a good looking woman. She was, she was a good looking woman. Interesting thing. When we look at the wives of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is an interesting thing that they all had beautiful wives. Abraham, remember Sarah was a good looking woman. She was so pretty. Remember they always tried to, when they would go to different places, Abraham would say, say that you're my sister. So they won't kill me to try to get you. Abraham was, and notice Rebecca, when the servant met Rebecca, Eliezer, Rebecca was what? A beautiful woman. And now we have Rachel who will be married to Jacob. And Rachel herself is what? A beautiful woman. Interesting thing. So the bridal price that Jacob agrees to pay is seven years of service for Rachel. And in that, he would now therefore pay the bridal price for Rachel and she would therefore become his wife. And the idea, the idea is once he has attained his wife, remember, go all the way back unto what his mother said. We're going to send you to my brother's house so you can get a wife and also it'll allow your brother's anger towards you to subside, but the intent that you'll be gone just a little while. But because Jacob has no money, he has to work seven years. So now the little while, a few days, has turned into seven years. But nevertheless, this is what is necessary for him to do in order to attain the wife. But because he had such a great love for Rachel and he couldn't wait to get his hands on her, those days passed by very quickly. It seemed as if it was just a little time. Okay. And Laban simply said, when he said, better I give her to you, he was just simply saying, better me give her to you, a member of my family, than to some other man who is not, that is, a stranger or some other man. Okay. 21. Then Laban said to Jacob, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my time is completed that I may go into her. Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him and Jacob went in to her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is it? 
What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, it is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one and we will give you the other also for the service which you shall serve with me for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah and he served with Laban for another seven years. Okay, now the seven years has passed. Jacob has fulfilled his part of the obligation, his marital, ob not so much his marital obligation, but the bridal price for the wife, which was for seven years. And so he goes to Laban and says, my time is up. Give me my wife for the marriage. And Laban says, okay, he agrees. And they begin what is called the, what is the customary marriage feast. And what is important to understand is the marriage feast lasts for seven days. So during the marriage feast, okay, basically what would happen is you got all of the getting together. The people are drinking and eating and having a good time during the day. And it is at night that the father would take the bride, take his daughter, and he would put a veil, the woman wear a veil over her face, and he would take his daughter unto the tent of the man she was to marry. And so he would send her off to the tent and the woman, and it would be nighttime when this would happen, would come into the tent with a veiled face and at night. And this is basically what happened. So Laban tricked Jacob. Remember, he had priced, he had negotiated to marry Rachel, but Laban took his daughter Leah and veiled her and took her into Jacob. So Jacob was not able to recognize Leah when she came in. And so Jacob, not knowing it was Leah, simply had sexual relations. And the whole idea is once you go into a woman, have sexual relations with a woman, that woman is your wife. And this is also why that once Jacob had sex with Leah, he couldn't tell, he couldn't tell Laban, take her back. Because once he had sex with her, she was his wife, period. And, and there was no going back on that, okay? So he was, he was deceived. And we can see a lot of similarities when I say this too. We can see a lot of similarities when we reflect to Jacob's own actions. Remember what Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. What can we see here? <laughs> Jacob is reaping what he sowed too. There are similarities with the deception that Jacob did with his own father. Notice the woman comes at night, which, which symbolizes the blindness of Isaac. Laban deceives Jacob, which symbolizes Jacob's own actions of deception. Okay. And so the whole thing puts in Jacob's mind, no doubt that as he deceived, he himself is now being deceived, but nevertheless, back to the issue. So now Leah has had sexual relations with Jacob. 
there is no turning back, just like in the same way with the blessing. Remember when uh, Esau came to his father, Jacob, and said, well, can you bless me? And he says, no, once it is done, it cannot be undone. Similar situation here, too, as well. So now Jacob is angry because of what has taken place. And he calls and tells um, Laban, he said, what did you do? What have you done to me? I negotiated for Rachel, your younger daughter. But Laban tells him rightly so. As a manner of custom, it is not proper to give the younger daughter away in marriage before the elder daughter has been married off first. You got to give the first, the older one first, and then you can give the younger ones. And so now, even though this custom was true and Laban told the truth in that, he knew that he knew that from the moment Jacob asked Rachel's hand in marriage. So all those seven years that Jacob was working, Laban knew the whole time that he was going to give Leah as a wife, but also too. Now let me show you what's also being implied in the text. Okay. Even though it is not strongly implied, but I think we can safely understand it. We will find out that later on that Laban will recognize God's hands of blessing. That is remember the Abrahamic uh, uh, promise. I will bless those who bless you curse those who curse you. As Jacob is keeping the flock of Laban, Laban's flock are going to explode. And we'll talk about all of that when we get there. His wealth is going to explode because of Jacob. In other words, God is going to bless Laban materially because of Jacob, because of the Abrahamic covenant. And so we can understand it's implied as well that even if maybe uh, down the road he wanted to tell him as he saw him being blessed more and more and more, he didn't want to. Why? Because let him do the whole seven years and notice what he says again. I will give you Rachel. I'll give you my, the younger daughter that you want if you give me an additional seven years. So notice he knows he's going to be blessed because of Jacob. So his material wealth is going to do what? Simply do what? All the while that Jacob is working for him, and this is the surmising of Laban, will be increased. So he makes another. Remember, we're still in that same week, and that is a literal seven days of festivity for, Le for Leah's weddings. This is Leah's wedding, okay? Leah's wedding feast, still in the week. We can see the next day he gets up. And so now Laban says, okay, let's go into another, a second marital contract. I'll give you Rachel. You give me another seven years. Okay. He says, but only complete her week. What he means is the week of festivities that they're going to do as far as Leah's marriage is concerned. Let's finish out this celebration. And once you finish Leah's marital celebration, I will give you immediately, not after the seven years. That's what you need to see. He doesn't have to work the seven years and then he'll get Rachel. He says, I'm going to give you Rachel in advance and then you will give me an additional seven years. And that's how that part worked. But what we also need to recall is this. The time is going longer and longer. Remember, it was supposed to be what? Just a few days. A few days turned into seven years. Seven years seemed like a short time. 
Now that few days, seven years has now turned into, it's going to turn into 14 years, 14 years. Okay. So now so it's, what the point I'm going to stress is just to bring back to your remembrance. This is God using the ill behavior, the bad behavior of Laban. He's using that to accomplish his will of discipline. And when we say discipline, this is not so much as in punishing Jacob because of his deceitfulness. Part of that is involved, not so much as just punishment, but in molding him, transforming him. And he is transforming Jacob by allowing Jacob to see how awful his own behavior has been. Okay. So now we shift into dealing with Leah verse number 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon or Simon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Okay. And I forgot to make mention too, uh, concerning both the girls, that is the women, Leah and Rachel. It was also, it is customary. It was customary during those times that the father would give a gift to his daughters when he married them, when he gave them to be married. And one of the, the bridal gifts that Laban gave unto Leah was Zilpah as a nursemaid, okay, as a helper, as a servant girl. He gave her as a servant to Leah. That was her bridal gift. And Bilhah was the servant that he gave to Rachel. And those were the bridal gifts that the father, Laban, gave to his daughters. Okay, but now let's move back to the text where we are. Notice we see the situation we have Jacob having two wives. Now at this time, remember the Mosaic law has not been given at this time. So therefore God permitted, notice what I said. He permitted Jacob to have two wives and there is nothing negative spoken of it at this time. Now there are certain things that we can say about it, but not at this time. Maybe I'll make a future video uh, dealing with certain intricate, in intricacies concerning this event of Jacob taking two wives. But nevertheless, there's nothing wrong with it at this time. But what happens is this. Remember, the Bible talked about Rachel was his true desire and Rachel was beautiful and Leah was not a pretty girl. And so therefore, Rachel became his favorite wife. And in being his favorite wife, no doubt, he would be at in the tents of Rachel more often than he would be in the tents of Leah. But nevertheless, God looked with compassion on Leah because she was not loved. And, and once again, 
Notice that similarity we see again between being favored, one favored over against another, just like uh, Esau was the favorite of his father and Jacob was the favorite of his mother. So we can even see this still kind of continuing, but in a different manner, Jacob with his wives. But nevertheless, God responded to Leah's brokenheartedness. And so we see here the desire of a woman who wants to be loved by her husband, the desire of a woman who wants to be loved by her husband. And so what we're going to do is enter into this whole thing about, and which will later on become a contest. It's going to become a contest thing about bearing children, namely sons. Okay. What you have to understand about this is this back in these times, back in those days, for a woman not to have children, she was considered to be accursed of God. And she was looked down in the community. She was looked down upon. But for a woman to have many children, she, would she was considered to be blessed of God. And that's basically what we're seeing in this scenario. Because notice where Rachel is unable to have children, not so much not so much in that she's being accursed of God, but just simply God is showing favor to the one who is not favored. And that's what's going on. God opens Leah's womb and she begins to be fruitful very quickly. Now, let me bring your attention back to this once again. Remember Abraham, it took him 25 years to have a, his first son, Isaac. And we know Isaac, it took Isaac, what, approximately 20 years to have his first son. But we see here with Jacob and Leah, the instance of having children happens very quickly. The only one who is barren is Rachel. And of course, this is by the hand of God. But nevertheless, she begins to have hope that her husband will begin to love her because why? She is the wife who is bearing children. And in the name reflects in the reflection of the names of these sons, we can see her hope, but also too, let me make this point now. So I won't have to do it over and over as she names these first four sons. Notice how she brings in the aspect of the covenantal name of God. She says, Yahweh does this or Yahweh has heard this. Yahweh will do this to bring in the covenantal name of God shows that Leah has faith in the true God. Leah has faith in Jacob's God. Now that's the most important thing later on in chapter 30. I'll make other points about this when we talk about, talk about Rachel. So tune in for that chapter. But as Leah speaks of her sons, she speaks of her covenantal faith in God, her covenantal relationship with God and in the bottom. Okay. If I simply had to say it in our vernacular today, it's clear. Leah is saved. It's clear. Leah is saved and she is expressing faith in God. Okay. So with enough of that, let's talk about it. So Leah began to have her first son. She names him Reuben. The word Reuben, the name Reuben comes from two basic Hebrew words, which means see a son, see 
a son. So it says, if she is saying to her husband, Jacob, look, look, husband, I've given you a son in the idea that her husband would do what would love her. She said, because the Lord has seen my affliction. I, she noticed she recognizes God has seen her disfavored position in the family. Jacob loves Rachel more than her. God has seen that position and God has rewarded her with a son. And the hope is maybe now Jacob will love her. Continues with a second son. But of course, his affections did not change. So he continues to bless her with a second son. And she names him Simeon or Simon. And that comes from the word from the Hebrew word, which means to hear, to hear. And she simply says, God has heard that I am unloved. And so therefore God himself rewards her with another son. She has another son and she names him Levi. And she says, notice the continual hope. Now my husband would become attached to me. The name Levi literally means attached. That is her husband and <laughs> Leah and Jacob would become attached as men and wife. That was her hope. And then finally, God gives her a fourth son and she names him Judah. And so she says, now I will just praise the Lord. What we see here in the name of Judah, it is a sense of exasperation. In other words, I've been hoping and wishing that my husband will love me by these continual sons that God has given me so I can give them to him. I've been hoping and hoping and hoping and still his heart has not changed towards me. I give up. I'm just going to just thank the Lord for all he has done and I'm going to be happy in the Lord himself. I'm going to simply rejoice in God whether my husband loves me or not. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. And so she stops having children. All right, guys, thanks for joining me in that particular teaching. The next time we come, we're going to get into the contest of these two women. And it becomes, in a sense, almost an ungodly contest. But it's a contest of having babies. And we're going to see this in chapter 30. But anyway, guys, see you next time.